We're going to be in Luke chapter 11 this morning. You can open your Bibles or you can find it in your worship folder. While you're doing that, I went to Taco Bell on Wednesday. It's not an unusual thing for me. I go to Taco Bell fairly often. There is one guy at the drive-thru that I know pretty well. The other week I came through and he said, so it's been a year. How's your year been? And I went, you remember? And he goes, yeah. I was like, I come here too much. But I went to Taco Bell. We had a staff meeting on Wednesday. And after the staff meeting in the evening on the way home, um, I picked up some food and uh, had a little trouble. So I got to the into the drive-thru and uh, my guy wasn't there. There was a, a, a lady, and so it's fine. And so, can I help you? Can I take your order? Yeah, I, can I have a soft taco and a bean burrito? No sauce, no onions, because I'm boring. And uh, she said, okay, uh, soft taco, no sauce, no onions. And I went, no, 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 no. A bean burrito, no sauce and no onions. She said, okay, a soft taco, no sauce, no onions, and a bean burrito, no sauce, no onions. And I went, well, well, no, but don't the soft tacos already come with no sauce and no onions? And she goes, uh, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, then I guess, yes, a, a bean burrito, no sauce, no onions, and a, and a soft taco. And she goes, will that be it? And I said, well, can you just repeat my order back to me just because, you know, I don't know you and there's a little bit of confusion. She goes, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, a bean burrito and a bean burrito, no sauce, no onions. And I went, no, 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 I want a soft taco. And she goes, so, okay, it, will that be all? And I said, well, what, what do you mean, will that be all? And she said, you just want a soft taco. And I said, no, no, no. I want a soft taco and a bean burrito. I want the burrito to have no sauce on it and no onions on it, but just those two things. And she goes, just what two things? I went, the burrito and the taco. And she goes, well, what about the sauce and the onions? And I said, yeah, I don't want those. I know I don't want those things. And she goes, okay, go ahead and pull forward. And I went, so I pull forward, and I'm in this sort of routine where I always ask for uh, mild sauce because Missy loves mild sauce. Whenever I'm at Taco Bell, I just go like, yeah, give me mild sauce. I pull up to the window, and I was like, can you just tell me what I ordered? And she, she, got, she got it right, and she goes, she goes, oh, a burrito, no sauce, no onions, and a soft taco. And I said, yes. And she goes, would you like any sauce? And I went, no. <laughs> Normally, I would always say yes, but I just thought, no, I just don't want any confusion there. The whole, the whole process of communication is really, it's important to always remember that there, it's a two-way street, right? So while I'm telling you like it's her fault that she messed up the whole order, she might have turned to her coworker and said, this guy on the other end of the thing, he's so confusing right now. Um, and I think, no, I wasn't, but I, it's possible, right? Like two sides, there's a, it's like playing catch. You throw and you catch and then they throw and then you catch. There's a, there's a process that goes on there. And it can be tricky because sometimes, you know, you know pre people probably who in their communicating um, don't catch, right? They throw and they don't ever catch, right? And that can be hard. So you can get things wrong because 
no one's, you know, no one's listening, right? Or someone's just talking and they're not willing to listen. It's complicated. It can be a little bit tricky. We can be bad at communicating. Even I can be bad at communicating. There's a kind of communicating that we need to put more thought and effort into, and that's when we intentionally communicate with God, which we call prayer. This is why in Luke chapter 11, Jesus had been praying. He'd been praying sort of by himself. And verse 1 says, when he finished praying, one of his disciples had a question for him. So we're in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So prayer is not a new thing, right? People have been praying for a long time. But it's important and it's worth getting right. Amen? Amen. It's worth figuring it out, how to do a good job and how to get it right. And I'm wondering what this was like for Jesus. Because imagine, you know, Jesus had been in heaven for a very long time, receiving prayers from people for a very long time, probably always wondering if anyone would ever ask him, Hey, by the way, how would you like to receive prayer? That's a good question, I think, because there are people in in my life that I wish I could tell. I'd actually prefer you to communicate differently with me. So, you know, um, for example, I might get in trouble, but there are people in Missy's family who I love, but they, they tend, there's this one thing that they do that really bothers me, and I've never told them about it. We just always laugh about it. They will they will FaceTime, so they'll get, you know, you know what FaceTime is? It's like a phone call, but you're using your video. So they'll FaceTime, and we go, oh, someone's trying to FaceTime with us. We'll answer it, and all we see is somebody's ear. Because they're, they're talking like they're on the phone. Their phone is up to their ear, but their video is on. So I'm looking down someone's ear hole, and I'm thinking, I wish I had the boldness to tell you, right? Hey, uh, I would prefer if you FaceTimed with your face rather than just your ear. But maybe you've got people in your life who communicate with you and you wish that you could tell them, you know, I would prefer if when you called me, you called me like this. Or when you text me, I would prefer if you didn't do this or that. Well, Jesus is in, in this place. He's just got done praying. And one of the disciples comes and says, Jesus, how, how should we pray? And I, th- I think Jesus would have been thinking, Yes, yes, that's a great question. Thank you for asking this question because I'm going to be receiving prayers for a long time like I have been, and it would be nice to be able to give some instruction on how to pray. So this is what he says in verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. At a glance, you might notice a couple things from this prayer. First, it's pretty short. It's pretty short. It's very succinct. You might also notice that it sounds different. When I read it, did you go, oh, yeah, that's a, wait, that's not the prayer that I know. You probably, like me, memorize the Lord's Prayer from Matthew. Matthew's Lord's Prayer is, is a little bit different. The details are a little different, but uh, the core of it is, this, is the same. One thing about it being short is, 
Remember, Jesus really doesn't like it how the Pharisees are going out. They have these long-winded prayers that are sort of, look at me. They, he really doesn't like that. So I think that's one thing about it being brief. The thing about it being a little bit different is it's still got the same core to it. It's the framework is still the same in Matthew and in Luke. So let's look at it. There are really six elements that I think you could find in the Lord's Prayer, no matter if you're looking at Matthew's account or if you're looking at Luke's, but we're looking at Luke's. Then the first one is praise. So if you look at the prayer itself, when he says, when he says, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. Your name is holy, is what he's saying. Father, hallowed be your name. That is praise. Lord, you are holy. You see hope when he says, your kingdom come. Lord, we are living in hope. We still today are living in hope of God's coming kingdom. Your kingdom come. Provision, when he says, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us, for our needs. The fourth, you can see confession when he says, forgive us our sins. Now, Jesus didn't have sin to forgive, but he's modeling prayer. He's showing us how to pray. So forgive us, that's confession. And then the flip side of that is forgiveness. Because we have people that we should forgive, for we forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And then number six is guidance. You might call this protection, but it is, Lord, show me, guide me, lead me. Specifically, lead us not into temptation. Lead us in righteousness. This model prayer gives us all of the essential elements that should be included in a robust prayer. Now, maybe you just have one thing that you want to pray about, but in a robust prayer, these are the kinds of things that should probably come up. Each point can be elaborated. They should be elaborated. Jesus didn't just have one prayer. We see different prayers coming from Jesus, and so you should elaborate on those things. But I think the important thing to remember here and to notice is that Jesus is encouraging us to keep our prayers balanced. So there's a worry, right? The worry is that in an unbalanced prayer, for example, if you land on number three, provision, and your prayer is 100% about God provide for me, God uh, reply to my request, take care of me and be with those around me, those are all sort of provision prayers. The concern is that you're not also praising God. You're not also thinking about his hope. You're not also confessing. You're not coming before him. You're not sort of, um, you're not viewing the full picture of this, this conversation. So again, going back to Missy's family, and I might get in trouble. They have a tendency to not say goodbye on the phone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like they have a question, they call, they ask, they hang up, and you're going, Okay, goodbye. <laughs> it's cultural, I'm sure, because it doesn't bother her as much as it bothers me. If someone hangs up on me and I think, that's pretty rude. But 
that's in a robust conversation, right? There is a greeting. There is a, you know, there is a hello, how are you? There are some sort of, you know, unwritten rules about the way that you should have a conversation like that. And if you skip all of those, it might not be received well, right? So in a robust prayer, we should be including all of those things because we're also trying to engage God. We're trying to uh, hear his heart in the middle of that. And so we need to keep it balanced. Because God's, yes, Neil said something about onions and sauce. I'm sure you're right. Um, but God's not a gumball machine. You don't, he's not just there for you to put a quarter in and turn the thing and, and hope to get something out. He's not just there to, to, to give you the things that you're asking for. So have a balanced prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Keep your prayers balanced. And there are other patterns that you can follow. So there are nice little acrostics that people have made. So the first one is uh, pray. So if you want to think about balancing out your prayer, when you pray, think about the acrostic, P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. So you're going to praise God, find something great about him, and just praise him. Live in the, in, the, in the worship of him in your prayer. And then repent. Think about how you need to change your life, the things that you need to, to shift away from and how you can shift back toward God. Ask him what you want to ask him. Make those petitions to him and then yield to his will. So that would be a, a, a balanced prayer. There's another one, if, if P-R-A-Y is hard for you to remember those. There are harder words, like in Acts. So Acts is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration is praise. How, how, how are you adoring God? What do you need to confess? What are you thankful for? And supplication are, are things that you are requesting. So uh, supplication would be all of your prayer requests. So these are balanced prayers. And I hope these are easy for you to remember. And then I hope that the reason I'm telling you these is because I'm hoping that you can take these into your prayer life. And when you pray, you can think, well, let me just not start with, you know, God, please take care of this thing that I want you to take care of. Start with praising God and adoring him. Start with worshiping him in your prayer and then move from there. Praise, repent, ask, yield. And I think you will find as your prayer is more balanced, um, God will be speaking to you in a different way. But let's look back at that first list, the one that comes directly from um, the passage. So when you pray, you might include praise in your prayer by praising God for his holiness. That's what Jesus said. Hallowed be your name. You might also praise him for his might, that he is strong. You might praise him for his love or for his grace. You might praise him for his mercy, his steadfastness, his persistent love. You might, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about this week is how God is unchanging, how he's always the same. So my prayers this week have have largely landed at the very beginning on how God is today the same as he was yesterday. And that leads me to thinking about his faithfulness and how he's always taking care of me and how he always will take care of me. You might include hope in your prayer by focusing on Jesus' return 
that he's coming back or by committing yourself to follow him better or to see the church grow. You might have something to hope for, for provision. Maybe that's food, our daily bread, or maybe it's shelter. Maybe it's friends or family, transportation, finances, time, work. Confession for Jesus, like I said, there was nothing to confess, but he modeled asking for forgiveness, which means admitting that we've done wrong. This should be a regular part of our prayer time. In John 9, verse 31, Jesus said, God doesn't listen to the prayers of the sinful. So when we go to God in prayer, we have to confess our sins to him and clear the deck. Because you know what it's like to get a phone call from somebody who's done you wrong and they have something that they want to talk about. And all you can't even hardly hear what they're saying because they've never really made the relationship right again. So we go and we have to make the relationship right. We confess to him and seek his forgiveness. On the flip side, we have to forgive those who need our forgiveness. In Luke, this is phrased as indebtedness. It's commonly understood to be directed at sin. We still talk about sin as indebtedness when we say things like, you owe me an apology, right? You owe me an apology. I am, you are indebted to me. I need an apology from you. So forgive. And finally, ask for guidance, particularly guidance in righteousness toward God and away from sin. Guide me, Lord, lead me away from temptation and toward you in righteousness. But Jesus didn't just model prayer. So this is a beautiful prayer. He's modeling how we should pray. How does God want to hear from you? Like this. How does he want you to communicate with him? Like this. But he didn't just model. He had something to teach us about prayer too. So we're going to move on to verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, go away. All right? Don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are in bed with me. and I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, I would say maybe just because he's a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For who, everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. This passage is very interesting. It is very interesting. Now imagine you have an unexpected guest show up at your house one night. A friend or a cousin or someone who's just maybe passing through town and stopped by your house and said, I need a place to stay. And you don't have enough, well, the, in, the pa in the passage, in the story, Jesus is saying, and you don't have enough bread to give them. You don't have enough food to give them, but food is pretty plentiful around here. So I want you to think about a friend shows up and you think, okay, well, I don't have a, enough uh, mattresses or I don't have a sleeping bag or enough pillows to, to let you stay here. And so what do you do? 
you go to your neighbor's house and it's very late and you knock on the door and the neighbor comes to the door and says, why are you knocking on my door at midnight? My kids are asleep. Everyone's asleep. And you say, I need a sleeping bag. And they say, no, go away. It's late. It's midnight. Everyone's asleep. You can't need a sleeping bag that bad. Go away. The relationship, what Jesus is saying is the relationship between friends or neighbors might not be enough to get someone to open the door and give you something like that in the middle of the night. But guess what would be enough to let them open the door and give you something in the middle of the night? No, go away. It's late, go away. I just need a sleeping bag. Go away. My kids are asleep. Not for long. Okay, fine, right? Here's your sleeping bag. Guys, that's what Jesus is telling us that we should do with God. Is that not the craziest thing? Jesus is saying that God wants us to ask and seek and knock and pursue aggressively to pursue God in prayer. Impudence is the word that, that, that it gets translated to here in, in the ESV. Impudence is cocky boldness. The word in Greek comes from the root word for modest, but the opposite. It's got a prefix on it that means not modest. So it means aggressive. It's aggressive, not modest, persistent boldness. That's the kind of prayer that Jesus wants us to have, to ask, seek, and knock, and to keep it coming. In other words, in your prayer life, don't ever give up. That's what Jesus is telling us. Don't give up. Ask and ask again and ask again and seek and seek and knock and knock and knock. That's what God wants from us. Isn't that amazing? He's not annoyed by you being annoying. He is blessed by it. Is that not the craziest thing? He is blessed by it. So remember, if you're stuck on number three, provision, and you're asking God and asking God, you really need something from God and it's heavy on your heart, Jesus is not upset with you. He's not upset that you want something. In fact, he says, keep asking and be persistent because God gives great gifts and he loves giving gifts. He's very gracious. So Jesus went on to explain this, starting in verse 11. He said, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give Instead of a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's be very clear about what Jesus is saying. If you need a fish, God's not going to give you a scorpion. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
God is not going to give you a scorpion. That would be cruel. Not, not even a bad father would do something like that. It's, that would just be terrible. God is the opposite. He is a great giver. He's the best. He knows exactly what you need. And look at what verse 13 says. If you then, who are fallen and broken, know how to give good gifts to your children, and we do, right? We know how, what a good gift looks like. If you know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Heavenly Father give a good gift? Is that what it says? How much more will the Heavenly Father give, give you whatever you want? Is that what it says? If you know how to give good gifts to, to kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you whatever you want when you pray? Is that what it says? It doesn't. It says, if you know how to get, give a good gift, guess what? God, who is the greatest giver, he knows, and the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Understand and write this down. The best answer to your prayer is the Holy Spirit. He is the answer. The best answer that you could get to your prayer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a helper, an advocate. Jesus called him the spirit of truth in John 14. The Holy Spirit allows us to discern spiritual truth. So as you aggressively ask and seek and knock, as you aggressively pursue God in prayer, the best thing that he can do for you is to allow you to understand what you're going through. Not to just give you the thing that you want, but to give you insight, to let you see what you're going through from at least part of his perspective. The lesson is the most valuable thing that God can give you in your prayer. So, so when I was a kid, um, I, was a, I was a pitcher on my like, Little League team. And uh, we went to the carnival, like the county fair, the Puyallup Fair, to be specific. And uh, there was this game where they had these, these three little jugs. And you get a, you pay like a dollar, and you can throw a, a softball or something, a very light softball, at these jugs. And if you knock all three of them down, you win a big like stuffed animal. And so I asked my dad, can I... Can I throw? Can I throw? Because I could throw. Because I was a pitcher. I, can I throw this? And I can I knock these down? And can I win one of these giant things that I'll never use in my life? And he said, Sure. And like almost never lets me do stuff like this. And so I went, Yeah. So I take the ball, and I'm looking at it, and I go, Okay, I got this. Now I'm not warmed up or anything, but I take the ball and I throw it, and I and I hit and I hit the the jar on the right and I just barely touch the one on the left and it knocks the top one off and the one on the right and the one on the left is still standing there. It, you know, it kind of goes, woo, and it stayed right there. And I went, oh, 
And I looked at my dad and I was like, I'm, I mean, I haven't warmed up at all. If you give me one more, I'll knock those down. And my dad said, no, if I give you another one, you're going to miss it on the other side. You'll overcompensate. And that's the end of my story. <laughs> it is anticlimactic, I know. But the crazy thing is that that lesson has stuck with me for my whole life. The lesson of that moment, my dad didn't let me throw another ball because I probably would have missed. Even if I had been able to knock them down, the lesson that my dad taught me about overcompensating has stuck with me for forever. I still remember the, the, the particular fair that we were at when it happened. I also remember how it felt when my dad said no and just walked away. And I went, what? The lesson was the most important thing that my dad could have given me. But that was a much better gift than getting to throw another ball, even if I'd won a giant stuffed bunny or something. When we pursue God in prayer, a balanced prayer, a prayer that draws us in to see the bigger picture, the best thing that God can give us is clarity in the moment. Maybe you're asking for a sleeping bag. Maybe you're saying, God, I need a sleeping bag. But God's answer, the Holy Spirit, shows you that you should be Instead of asking for a sleeping bag, you should be offering them your bed. And you should be laying on the ground that night. So we go to God all the time with, with prayers. And again, I'm imagining Jesus in heaven before taking on flesh and, and living as us and hearing the prayers that, that come in to God and thinking, if only I had a, you know, a, a, a moment where I could sit down with them and say, here's actually how I would like you to pray. But he's, we always pray to God. And what Jesus says in this passage is that when you pray, have a balanced prayer that draws you into a really understanding your, the fullness of the situation that you're in, not just the one thing that you want to talk about, but the whole picture. Draw yourself in and then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you knowing that God's best answer isn't necessarily going to be to answer the question or to give you the thing that you want, but to allow you to see your life the way that God sees your life. So you might be asking for a sleeping bag, but the Holy Spirit comes back and the answer from God is, you don't need a sleeping bag, you need to give up your bed. Or maybe if you give up your bed, then I'll give you a sleeping bag or something like that. The ultimate goal, the ultimate goal of our prayer life is to hear from God, not to be heard by God. Because communicating is a two-way street. If you throw the ball to God, you have to be prepared to catch the ball when he throws it back. So the question is, is what is God telling me? When I go to the Lord in prayer, um, my brother's family in Oklahoma right now, they're all sick. And he's in the army. They've all got bronchitis, um, the four of them. 
when I go to the Lord in prayer and I ask God to to be with, to strengthen, to heal my brother's family, I have to be listening for what he says to me back. He might heal my brother's family like that because he can, but the best thing that God gives back to me is insight, is a lesson to show me something that I wasn't seeing on my own and to allow me to experience God, God's plan the way that he's experiencing it, at least in part. Because I go to him and I don't just ask, I praise him. And as I praise God, as you praise God, you know, I know that I'm going to ask my, I'm going to ask God to heal my brother's family. But when I start by saying, "God, you are mighty." I go, "Oh my gosh. I almost don't even need to finish my prayer, but I'm going to keep going. Lord, you are mighty and you are holy. Lord, you are wonderful and you're strong." And all of a sudden, I've got such peace when it comes to my brother's family, and I haven't even got that far. And then I start talking about hope and God, I know that you can heal. God, I know that you have healed before. God, I know that your plan is to heal the whole world and all of creation. And now I think if God doesn't heal my brother's family, I'll we'll still be okay. And I've got such peace now. And by the time I get around to actually asking God to pray for my brother's family, I feel like I'm right there with God in the moment. And like I'm not I'm not putting a quarter in the machine and waiting for a gumball to pop out, but I'm really standing there with God and I'm going, "Oh my gosh, you're amazing." And you're holy and you're wonderful. And I can't believe you're listening to me right now. How humbling is that? Jesus says, "That's how I want you to pray. I want you to to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive those that need to be forgiven. And lead us not into temptation. And if you do that, if you pray that prayer, a robust prayer, God opens your eyes and he allows you to see a more robust picture of where you are and what's going on. And he allows you to see, because of the Holy Spirit, that the best answer to your prayer is the Holy Spirit, who can show you really what's going on and really what you need to be doing, how you need to be praying, and where you go from here. Is that amazing? Because I know we always go to God with a request. When was the last time you prayed to God and you didn't ask for something? We always go to God for requests. Jesus is not mad about that. He understands that completely. Balance that prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to understand his plan, to understand what you're going through so that you can trust him and you can rest and have peace in knowing that God is still God. And even if he doesn't give you the very thing that you're asking for, you can still trust him. Let's pray.